All right. Welcome to another edition of the Edlo Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And this is going to be an interesting one. What happens when uh, a Mormon guy talks to a legal prostitute? I hear have he with me. <laughs> that sounds like a, a, a shoeing right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, no I have offense with, to that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well. This is I, that's actually a question I w- I'm going to have for you. He might get a, just, well, he's going to get a Woody. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I have with me. This is Air Force Amy, and and for people who don't know, Air Force Amy, you were widely um, featured on the '90s HBO documentary docu series, really Cat House, um, which I think made. I can't remember the name of the of the brothel. I think it was the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, right? Made it famous. Like it was synonymous with legal prostitution in Nevada. And so, um, and so, yeah, you, I mean, you were like the, the kind of the poster child for that. You know, at the time I really wasn't. Um, Hmm. It seemed like America loved Isabella Soprano. She was the girl next door. Ah, okay. And then unbeknownst to me, people remembered me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it was because of my authenticity mm-hmm. and, and and I wasn't playing to the cameras. I was giving them my true self and and they were they would set scenes and create scenes and and you know the producers would create these little tips and things like that and and I wanted to play those games. I'd, I'd say, you know what when um, when I have a client and he's willing to to participate will give you a scene mm-hmm. and that way otherwise they were paying actors to have sex with me getting mm-hmm. free drinks and getting paid to be on the show and i'm getting nothing mm-hmm. I was like, yeah that's not gonna fly in my book you're, gonna, right. <laughs> you're not coming then no not today folks so right. I'll, yeah, I'll let you know when i got something that you can yeah. do and <laughs> and every time i when i did get when i did give them something it was a winner yeah. yeah. Well, well, so that's interesting. So the, the series then a lot of the people, cause I, 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 I gotta tell you, I never watched like a full episode, but there were times when you're flipping through uh, the, the channels and I had a, we had HBO when I was that age and uh, around that time and you flipping through friend's house and watch it. No, no, no. My friends would come to my house if they wanted to watch it. No, they, they, uh, we, I, I remember flipping through it and just seeing them like, what is going on here? And there would be like a, I remember specifically a scene where it was like a guy and I don't think it was, I'm pretty sure it wasn't you, but another, like a woman and they were just kind of negotiating something going on. You're saying that some of those people were paid actors. They weren't actually. Yeah. Well, that was how they, they, they pitched the series. Um, the girls in the, in the Nevada legal brothels of which, it is legal in some counties. The counties mm-hmm. vote in whether or not they, they would allow prostitution. And it's in a county has to have less than 200,000 res, residents. So that leaves mm-hmm. out Clark County and Washoe County, which are the two largest cities, Reno and Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a small community of, of women that transfer around, that circulate around the legal brothel, say four or five, five of them. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, and it didn't become a thing about pricing until the internet came out. Mm-hmm. And 
it became our insta our rule that we don't give prices over the internet. We don't give prices over the phone. We can only give prices face to face. Mm. So it was like you, we couldn't tell you anything unless you came and saw me because mm. we're independent contractors and I can't negotiate for another girl and, and no one else can negotiate for me. Mm. And we don't have set prices. Was there any sort of uh, issue as well? Like if somebody, let's say someone's going to travel to Nevada and like they're living in, I don't know, Wisconsin or something and you're negotiating something like this over the internet, I got to imagine there's some sort of legal ramifications possibly, right? Well, the, when we, with the last we talked to the FBI, it was a gray area. Mm, interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But so we tell, we tell them that we can't give prices. Here's what will happen. The guy will, the guy will price one girl and say, well, this girl will do it for a thousand. And then ask that another girl, get another girl to say she'll do it for five hundred, and then another girl, and prices 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 them down out of out of service. Mm, I yeah. see. And then, you know, okay. you price shopping, Got price it. shopping down to nothing. And plus, what if the guy shows up and he's a gazillionaire, and he'd pay right. ten thousand for ten minutes. Right. <laughs> so, so you're, so so when you're um, when you are participating in this. Um, everything that all the prices you set are just basically negotiable. Like there's not a set price you have for yeah. a certain thing. Everything's it's, negotiable. Everything in life is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. A, so yeah, that's, that's Everyone's true. got a price. Yeah. Yeah. So is that do something? Yeah. Everyone's got a price. There you you a think price. so? So is yeah. that, is that, let me, let me ask you, uh, the, is there a, um, Kind of like a typical type of person that you see who participates in this, both as a a legal prostitute and also as a legal John. Is there a, like a prototype of what you would say is the typical person, or is it just every anybody? No, <laughs> it's a circus every day and Halloween every night. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a box of chocolates, man. You never know what you're gonna get. Well, yeah. let, let me let me ask you this way too. So I used to, truth be told, when I was uh, in college, I had a girlfriend who got me a job working at a hair salon, just like selling products mm -hmm. and answering phones. Looks great. Looks yeah, great. You look great. My the light behind me is washing it out. <laughs> well, well, here's here's what I the the thing was was I noticed the hairdressers, they all there was very there was a lot of drama, and I got to imagine in what you do. I don't know how many girls are working at a time, but is there drama between the girls? Oh yeah. Yeah. What what kind of things become like big issues in like a legal brothel? Um, I say to the girls, I can remember I've been around 33 years. I'm going to say, you're not really going to make friends mm. per se. Mm. You're going to make allies. Mm. And your allies could change from week to week, month to month, year to year. And you could actually go to your friend, you know, go to your ally's house and be a, but money could change that in a second. Interesting. Well, and, and what, what is the issue? Like, you know, you're both um, trying to go after somebody and one gets yeah. them, the other one doesn't type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like stealing someone's customer was a super high dollar customer and, and you took them for real cheap and eat, and she mm. lost him to life. That, oh, could, wow. that, could, that could get you unallied for a while. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Black um, just mostly stealing customers. Um, 
throwing 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 a party off, not not uh, not reciprocating when someone pulled you in a big high dollar party, mm. and then okay. you get a big high dollar party and they didn't pull you back. So it's always mm. money. Yeah, it's money. Yeah, it's not, it's not. It's not men. It's the so, money. So, are there any sort of like um, unwritten rules between the girls? Like, you know, like is there something that you? There's a line you don't cross. Like you, you just mentioned, like you're having a party with a guy and he wants multiple women. Is there kind of like a a rule? Like, hey, I okay, if I pull you into one, then it's an unwritten rule that next time you have one, you pull me in unless he says that you're not my type or whatever. Is there some like, girls that think that? And what I say is the last one to pull me in is the next one to get pulled in based on the money. I mm. mean, if you're like, you pulled me in for 500 bucks, and you're the last one to pull me in, and someone right before you pulled me in for 10,000, I'm sorry, honey, I got to pull the girl that just pulled me in for 10,000. Right, right. You know, do you, do you have parties that are that expensive, like $10,000? Yeah, that's a drop in the bucket, honey. Are you serious? So, yeah. I, okay. So, curious. Like, again, understand. I know very, like, very little to nothing about this. So, what would be in a? What would a guy want to pay ten thousand dollars for? <laughs> like, what is going on at a party that's that much? Or is it just that he's so loaded he doesn't care about? Them? No, no. We're not allowed to even let a gentleman. A gentleman is loaded. He's not allowed to sign. Mm. His signature has to match his ID. Everything is up, up and up. There's mm. no getting no one loaded. Mm. You know. No, no, no. I, I think what I mean was is that. Oh, like, I, said, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's not. That's not the case. And you know, if someone loaded, they're just too difficult to handle. Mm. You know, they're going to go well, up. And I, down I, didn't, and, I didn't mean. I didn't mean loaded like on drugs. I mean like they're so rich they don't. Oh, they don't care about the money. Yeah, like loaded yeah. in money. Yeah, yeah. like where's the it, cheapest? Are they really? <laughs> the How do you think they get all that money? Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so so tell me, like, what what is the difference? What between... kind of guy would spend ten thousand um, dollars? Well, you'd be surprised. The guy that has a credit card, a couple of credit cards, that he's only bought an oil frame filter on. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's just going to max out a couple cards over the course of an evening. Mm. Wow. So he just is like, I'm just going to drop all this money. And then like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm assuming that based on how much you pay, the better the, the party. more you pay, the more you play. Right. Right. So that, I mean, what, it, give well, me an example of what's the difference between say like a, a one, I don't know, a thousand dollars and a $10,000 party. It's just more girls, more things. Is it the very girl to girl? What time, you can do? More time, more activity, less restrictions, less rules. Really? Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. So it gets it gets pretty hot. Anything goes. Man. So yeah. <laughs> so okay. So tell part me. C. What comes before part B? <laughs> part A. Yeah. <laughs> part yeah so, A. Well, okay, it's so um, your life, honey, it's an experience, extraordinary experience that you will never forget. Well, we are, we are, we are um, entertainers, uh -huh. therapists, theatrics. Me, I'm 
the best sex you're ever going to have in your life. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> I've been told that from every single one, okay? Okay. You do it so long as I do, you just learn tricks of the trade. And plus, I love sex. There's one thing. I love to orgasm. I love. Mm -hmm. And um, and I have control, like, over every single muscle twitching my body. Every single one. Every single wow. one. So, so. And I'm you, educated. I'm yeah, formally well, educated in human sexuality, sex education, uh, uh, loveology, and really. And, oh yeah, I have tons of degrees. You can go on my website, airforceamy.com, and see all my, you know, several of my degrees. So, so you actually got degrees plus in, in human plus education. Yes. So where did you go to school? I have a candidate for a PhD in um, uh, human sexuality for the Institute Institute for the Advanced Studies of Human Sexuality. Wow. Until it, and the dean died. So I was a candidate, so I was a candidate for a PhD and the school closed. Oh man, bummer. So do you have so that means you, you must have a, a master's then? In, I have a master's, yeah. I could take it to the Kinsey Institute and complete my degree. Wow, you're gonna do that? Perhaps. Yeah. So I want to write a dissertation before I want to finish my memoir. Oh, so you are you writing a memoir? Yeah. Oh, exciting. Is, it, is there a date that it's supposed to come out or you have to finish it first? No, I just have to finish it. Interesting. So so tell me now, what got you into this industry? Were you a stripper first and you kind of did it that way or something else? What do they call it? They call it um, survival prostitution. Okay. So I left home at the age of 13. Mm. There was um, a great deal of incest in my family. And... Um, Okay, sorry, sorry, I don't. Uh, let me ask you. When you say incest, like, what do you mean? Like, brother, sister, mother, mother, father? Like, what do you mean? You know, the men, uh, the all the males in the family against me, and oh, my sisters oh. too. Okay. Oh, so there's like okay, I, I you know, and there's double standards. Like the boys could smoke cigarettes, I can smoke. I'm like, what the hell? We had a clean house. <laughs> so uh -huh. Crazy, you know, <laughs> and. Right. No, and you know, and it's just, uh, I, was, I think I was going to have a bad quarter of grades or something. I was getting in trouble. I was like, man, I'm not going to take this beating. I got to go. Ah, okay. <laughs> go. So at the age of 13, I hit the road. Mm, okay. And I tried leaving once before, and I got pretty far. And, I, and then I got uh, caught in New York. They brought me back. So I was kind of familiar with the um, the truck stops. But so anyhow, um, the truck stops, hitchhiking mm. around the country. And just give blowjobs and truck stops. Can you imagine 13 year old knocking on your door? Wow. Hey, mister, want a blowjob? It's like, yeah, best day of my life, little 13 year old. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Man. But then it was frightening. It was so scary. When you're doing that at the age of 13, I mean, so, did you I run into any? I the age of 13. I think I had more balls at the age of 13, but those truck stops at night and the stories you heard, and the girls was their territory. And guys gaffing girls and, and putting them in their reefers and your pockets getting cut out and you just getting, you know, kidnapped. And, and it was most, and then the, the police, the helicopters, the, the dogs, the, it was just the most frightening thing you've ever encountered in your life. Wow. It was so scary. So, so let me ask you, when you're 13 years old and you're doing this, I mean, did someone tell you that's something you could do or did you just, you well, knew I because was, of. I was being raped at home. Yeah. Okay. I knew about sex. Yeah, man. And so you're using this as a way to kind of get rides. So places. Some, some money in my pocket. And I, um, 
you know, so, and I just picked the prettiest, biggest truck, nicest semen driver, and have some money in my pocket so that I wouldn't have to have sex with him every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, so give myself some choices. Mm, I see. And uh, as you're doing this, did you end up in a specific place? Um, I, w- I'm dr- I stopped at a few places for a, a month here and a month there. And at the uh, at the age of 18, uh, a guy meets me in um, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what? You're too pretty to be doing this. I had short red hair, a little red, red head and bubble butt. And he says, you're too pretty to be doing this. I'm going to take you home to my boss. And he was like president of Mayflower Trekking. Oh, wow. All right, and he had he divorced. It was in separation or divorce with his wife. And he took me there, and I got my GED. Hmm. And um, and he was a heavy drinker, and we and I became heavy, we both were heavy drinking together. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but his and his wife said that uh, he needed to pay this child support. He wasn't going to pay the child support, so he's going to take the jail time instead. He told me I had to go leave, you know, and go home to my grandmother or join the military. So I said, fine, I'll join the military. So I went down to the recruiting station and I said, try to join the, the, uh, the army. Like he had been a, a Vietnam vet and they wouldn't take me because I had a GED and the Air Force did. Okay. All right. And okay, they did. And wow. um, I tested so high on my scores. I mean, they wanted me to be a crew chief and um, they put me in a delayed enlistment program. So I had kind of travel around for another three months or three to six months before I went in and yeah. I got in and I'm, I'm just, you know, it turns out I'm a leader. Wow. So yeah. what did you do? How long were you in the air force and, and what did you do? For Five you? years. Um, my primary AFSC was to be a law enforcement. And I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, well, I guess you can't <laughs> be let me, yeah. let me actually let me actually back up. So in this time frame, when you're going around to the different drug stops and, and prostituting, then illegal prostituting, then like, um, uh, what, did you have run-ins with the law? No, I was very afraid too. You know, like I said, there was like yeah. helicopters and dogs, and they policed those lots a lot. You know, pretty heavily. Yeah, and you and you never got caught. Mm-mm. I was wow. small. I ran underneath those trucks. You know, I, I guess so. Stayed in the shadows. Yeah. Did you ever have in that time frame like a really dangerous situation with a with a trucker or anything like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. How did and how did you handle? I mean, being so young, how did you did you handle that? I mean, did you did you just know because of what was going on at home that you how to handle yourself? You know, um, I've had a great deal of therapy. Okay. Mm. And it turns out. From the abuse I had at home and the knowledge I gained in the streets, I can size up a situation instantaneously. Interesting. I can size up a room, a person. I can size you up real quick. Hmm. Wow. And, and, and make my plan. Wow. So that's just kind of a survival mechanism. Yeah. For you. Wow. So you get yourself in a in a dangerous situation with a trucker. You kind of knew how to get yourself out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, Is show, it, you don't show your card. You just make a plan. Yeah. As soon as you can. If you if you feel comfortable, is there a is there a specific instance you remember of something that happened? No, you, you know what? Get they packed away. 
Oh, okay. You kind of repressed them? You're packed away where they need to be. You know, I've, I've gone to other therapists where they want to take them out and process them. When I'm processing something, you know, recent or, or something just happened, then they're like, oh, let's unpack this. Yeah. You just want to keep it. You want to keep it back. Yeah, so you don't have to go there, it. It's like, oh, my God, my world gets ugly. You know, the place is ugly. The roads are ugly. This is ugly. Everything's it's, ugly. I'm it's like, funny. No, I remember. Back, I remember. I remember talking to my mom one time. She, you know, my dad uh, is a recovered uh, drug addict. He's been clean for 25 years. And he uh, and she one time when I was younger said something along the lines of, you know, maybe you should go to therapy for some of that stuff. And I was like, listen, I spent a lot of time digging, pushing that stuff down. I don't need someone dragging it back up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it took me a long time. So I definitely yeah. feel you. So, so uh, while you're in the, in the air force, you bring it up, play with it. They'll call it a process and put it back. You know? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Let it be. No, no. When you're in the air force, uh, do you stop prostituting or do you continue? Yeah, yeah oh, you but I, get, I get tossed around that base like a football. What's that? You did? I get tossed around that base like a football. Wow. Because I entered okay. a man's field. Mm. I broke mm. the ceiling. I broke that glass ceiling. I went into a, into an area. I'm a, I got to my first duty station and they asked for volunteers to be an instructor out at uh, ABGD, Everybody's Ground Defense. And me and this other kid, Hallett, we were like, Okay, mm. <laughs> and it turned out that I was I got the I got the rank of uh, and and the OJT and and rating of an instructor like a TI instructor that's like big time okay and mm. I would take forty four men out in the field for two weeks at a time and teach them how to defend an airway should all shit hit the fan mm. I done areas of defense and um, recons and and, uh, and you know the whole nine yards. Cause that's what, that was our, that was our most precious resource. Cause they can replace planes, but you can, if you can't get them down, you can't get them up and down and you're, you're screwed. Right. So, you know, we got to defend that air, that, that runway at all costs. So I was an instructor and you know, I invaded them. I invaded those commandos. Mm. Hey, <laughs> these the elite, they were the elite of all the, the security police, you know, they were the elite and, and I, I invaded their space. So they didn't make me one of them, you mm. know, Y'all had to tap that ass. Oh, jeez. Like a sal, you know? Wow. Oh, I mean, you know, tip up that bottle, and I was happy to do so. Really? Wow. And that's how I felt loved. Mm, that's see. how I felt accepted. Mm. And you think, and that comes from childhood from the abuse. Right. right. Is, I, didn't, I didn't feel as well as being abused until after I left the Air Force. Mm. And someone says, well, how do you, and, and when Judge Jean Perot and I, on a, a TV show goes, well, how do you, how do you get from a highly decorated veteran? How does one go from a highly decorated veteran to, to the brothels? And I said, well, it's only about an hour away. But later on, when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, how does that happen? Yeah. And what yeah. did you come to the conclusion? Is just because of, that's how you felt love? So you just kind of entered into that? Well, um, you know, I went into the Air Force to, for safety and security. Mm -hmm. to get out of the truck stops, to get mm -hmm. away from the abuse, to get away from every, all the sexual stuff that was happening and just to create a legitimate life and be mm -hmm. safe. Right. And then, uh, you know, and the same shit happens. Yeah. Wow. You, know? you mean it happens in the Air Force, that you're getting abused in the Air Force? Yeah. So, you know, it's the life story. Yeah.
Yeah. So we get out. So I'm making. I had an ultimatum getting into the Air Force. I made an ultimatum getting out. I was like, "All right, well, when my time, um, I got uh, the state. I got stationed stateside for the convenience of the government, so they wouldn't drop me off in just like San Francisco or San Diego. They could let me get my feet wet on um, U.S. Uh, U.S. soil. So I was going to do a year on stateside, and I got stationed at Las Vegas. And I mean, the minute I got, the minute I, my boots hit that ground, I was like. Airman of the Year, Airman of the Quarter, NCO John Levito Award. Base commander was like, oh, wow, who is this chick? I want to work with me. But this female in there uh, of my chain of command says, yeah, the base commander wants you to work for him. And I was like, oh, no, man, my loyalty with the security police. And that woman should have told me, no, Sal, this is your move. Mm. And she didn't. So, um, I'm getting a, the honorable discharge and, and you know, they ask you, do you want to reenlist? I said, well, give me a reenlistment bonus. Because mm -hmm. they do that for security police, but not law enforcement. But you mm -hmm. could have done it for me. Give me a reenlistment bonus. Nope. Cross train me. No, we can't let you go. We gave you too much training. You're too highly trained. We can't, we don't want to let, we'll let you go. You mm -hmm. have to, it's, a, it's in the rule. It's a, it's a thing. That's what you have to. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, fine. I'm gonna, you know what? Fuck y'all. I'm going down. I'm gonna, I'm going down the brothels. Hmm. And so that's it. That's what you decided. You're like, that's it. I'm just gonna no, go. No, I'm gonna the damn brothels. You people can't take. You know, you can't, you can't hold up your word. Mm -hmm. You can't mm -hmm. keep your word. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> give me a um, bonus. What? Come on, man. Cross so me or give me do one or the other. And they wouldn't do it. So yeah, fuck y'all. So yeah. So then you, now. This the story that you just shared about yourself and how you kind of came to this. Is that a common story with people who are who are in legal brothels? I think over eighty percent of the women that are um, and uh, that are sex workers were abused as children. Mm -hmm. I think that was the number many years ago. I don't know what it is now, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's even more because I mean, with the social media today. And with kids having phones in their hands at the age of eight, nine, ten, you know, mm -hmm. guys want to guys are, are, are going to want to see pictures of these girls. Mm. This is what I'm guessing. Yeah, so you're thinking it's even worse now than it was. It's back even then. worse. It's like, yeah, hey, show me your tits. Hey, show me your pose. And then you know, and girls are getting trying to make sexier and sexier pictures because that's what's you know gets them attention. And right. they and then the guys are are hammering them for it. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to turn around and call her a slut. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so now, but, but I'm assuming being in a legal brothel, much safer than being in a truck stop. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But at the, but at the same time, do you still have some of those dangerous situations? It doesn't seem like, no, you know, not with me because I carry myself in a certain way. I, I stop something before it happens. Right. You right. know, I can feel it changing. I'm not going to let it change. Mm -hmm. But a newer girl without, a, without the experience, you know, someone's, someone's going to try and take it, you know, put, slip something in the wrong place. Mm. <laughs> you know, mostly, you know uh -huh. or try to take off their condom mm. or, you know, Try to pin them down for or, or, or touch them inappropriately, hold them inappropriately. 
Mm-hmm. Now, all of, now, all of that stuff, so, so all of that stuff, I mean, what, is that something you mentioned everything is negotiable? Like, you know, are there people who want that? They want some sort of simulated they're, they're abusing you type of situation? Oh, yeah. yeah. There are girls that will, um, they'll advertise it. They will do, they'll be submissive. Mm. And I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I have a price, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I have a price. Well, and that and that's the thing. I mean, uh, given let me ask you this: given your experience in your childhood, is it? How do you separate, say, that trauma from what you do now? If that makes sense, like, how do you not let your trauma and your history kind of affect you? when you're engaged in the act of sex for, for pay? I closed that door. Okay. That door, if that door is closed, I mean, what are you going to hold on to it? It's, it's like a dirty diaper. You know, a traumatic mm-hmm. situation is like a dirty diaper. Mm-hmm. You get this dirty diaper. Do you want to sit in it, smush it around and wear it for the rest of your life and just keep smushing it and wearing it, smelling it, sticking it, stick your finger in it, play with it? No. Mm-hmm. You want to take mm-hmm. that dirty diaper off and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And put on a clean diaper, man. Move on. Yeah, I think I think a better a better question is is do you get now that you're you're doing it for money and you're kind of setting the rules? Is there like a sense of empowerment for you now because or something of that nature? Is there something that you get out? I guess better way. What do you get out of of doing this type of work? What do you get out of it um, other than money? <laughs> right. Um, I get satisfaction knowing that I've changed someone's life. I honestly love the people I meet. Mm. I love that they have become so vulnerable. They trust me to be vulnerable with me mm. and bring their their issues, their their vulnerabilities. They, they get naked in front of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they show their car. They, they you know, men are, men are not as um, bravado as mm-hmm. they, you know they talk mm-hmm. and and I'm, it's nice that I can treat them with gentleness and care and kindness mm-hmm. and give them confidence that's the best part is watching a guy come in with his heart put through a blender and walk out just skipping on air mm-hmm. And that's that's something you mentioned earlier, is you said something like, uh, sometimes I'm a therapist, sometimes I'm doing all these things. So it's I take it that for you, sometimes there's, or maybe you can comment on this, it's more than just sex for money. Oh, yeah, it's, way, it's more than, it's more than, it's, it's more than sex. Sex is this much of it, you know, mm. that much. Mm. That so, much. Do you, so do you have, I mean, like regulars who come to you and they're just like, you, you're kind of just a, a listening ear, is that? Part of it, yeah. Um, yeah, there are guys that just want to cuddle. I mean, they know their package doesn't work any longer, but I'll, I'll give them a college try, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a college try, okay. And then, and then, so the tables turn, and I enjoy when a man pleasures me, so that's what they get out of it. They get mm-hmm. to enjoy me, me pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, or learn a new move, or I can teach them how to pick up a chick, or how to act with the chick, or what girls like. 
you know, mm. or what not to do with the girl, you know, things like that. I like to, I like for me to be the springboard. Mm. You come to me and let me spring you off into your sexual adventure, your sexual life. You know, maybe if you need to re, if you need to refresh, you come on back. You know, if you yeah. need, if you need to be refresh, if you need if you need me to be your regular, we can do mm. that too. I mean, so, this much time, you know, I can't give you all my time. You're going to get this much time of, yeah. my, of my off time, uh -huh. you know, because oh. now there's, there's, there's Twitter, there's social media, there's emails, there's phones, there's texting, you know, and I got to put you in a, but, I got to put you in a spot that you get this much time. So the, there are people who they, they contact you and on your off time, you'll actually assist all them the time, like all day wow. long, wow. all day long. So you only get so much time. Sure, sure. You know, if you fall in love with me, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you, so, so let me. That's a, that's, there are, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent point. There are girls that will play that card mm, and let you mm. fall in love with them and string you along. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it's worth that kind of hassle. I don't think it's ethical. And I just think that's way too much work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but so. I'm, but I do fall in love and you get a piece of my heart, but you get a piece of it. And it's yeah. a big piece. It's a yeah. big piece. You know? well, well, like so while you've been doing this, you mentioned you've been doing this for 33 years. Have you had like boyfriends, husbands, anything as you were doing this? I never thought that I could. Okay. Mm. So I never did. Mm. Until. Was it? 15 years ago, okay. I met a guy, a customer, mm. and um, I thought, yeah, he's cute enough and nice enough. But I mean, I, I had a, there was a flag right there at the very beginning. There was a flag, and I should have said no. But I told him, I said, well, if you want to date me, you have to marry me. So mm. I need an engagement ring. He got $26,000 engagement ring. Did he really? Yeah. So so, but I mean, what was the red flag? What was it that you were like, that's a red flag. I'm not doing it. Oh, well, now that I've given up that information, I don't know if I want to put the rest of it out there. Oh, okay. All right. You, know? if you don't want to. It's just, yeah. it's interesting because I'm sitting. In, in, hindsight, what, what, in hindsight, I knew the very day that I met him. You, you knew the very day you met him that it, would, yeah. that it couldn't be that way? Yeah, I knew there was something. But you caught feelings for him? Um, I did. I think I felt I fell in love with the thought of being in love. Okay. Because I'd never had a boyfriend. Okay. I ran away at 13. Sure. I didn't go to prom. I didn't have a boyfriend. Military. Mm -hmm. I was Sal, Rambo, you know, I have mm -hmm, a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I never sure. had a boyfriend. Right. Do you uh is that something that you ever foresee yourself having, or do you think that that's just not in the cards for you? Well, Here's the story. Okay. I um during quarantine, ah, we were shut down for 14 months. Wow. Yeah, they really get it sucked it to us hard. And here's the thing: if you want to learn how to deal with a pandemic, you come to the the legal brothels. We got <laughs> we got through herpes, we got through AIDS, we got through we did it. We've already done it. Okay, we're gonna figure it out really quick because that's how we make our money, is you know. Skin on skin. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. We're going to tell you real quick. 
whether you know so and you know, they just we were the last ones and, and they, the governor had us in the last one specifically wow mm. yeah yeah so it was like 14 months so um maybe eight months into it nine months into it on match.com really you know what we were never open again hey, 30 years of the pandemic what else you need yeah <laughs> <gotta> follow up <laughs> you know so I met a guy, a, a local guy, uh, just a regular guy, just a regular guy. And I felt mad for your love. I felt so mad. I was mm. like, love songs make sense. Mm. Every, it was just, I was just walking out there. It's just, you know, uh, butterflies and unicorns. It was so amazing. And I was so scared the first time I had sex with him. I had not had sex where I had full mouth kiss. Mm -hmm. I never had sex without a condom. It wow. was like he got all my firsts. Wow. That was saving for marriage. So I was I was still saving a part of myself for marriage. Sure. There was a part of me. And he got those firsts. Mm. And um I fell in love with a guy, but he was the wrong guy. Mm. Then, then I was like, because um, when I, I was like, well, love songs make sense. I was like, well, why are there breakup songs? When yeah. you're in love, you're in love. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, and now you know that too. Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Swift makes a lot more sense. No, yeah. no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> let me let me ask you. Uh, over the course, of, so you've been doing this for 30 years, and it just well, seems... I can't say that a million times. I still want more customers. <laughs> well, well, I think you. you but there's a, there's a there's a reason I ask that and bring that up is because over the course of 30 years we've gotten the internet, porn has become very accessible. I'm assuming the types of things people have been asking for have changed. Well, so have things gotten gone a certain way in what people are interested yeah. in? Yeah, it's getting pretty scary. Let me tell you. I mean, you saw uh, we saw I saw it go one way when there was Max Hardcore became prominent. You know, I met the guy. He's a, he's a wonderful human being. Who, who is this again? Max Hardcore. Max Hardcore. Okay. Yeah, he did some prison time, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just passed. God bless his heart. Rest his heart. Um, and it was the hair pulling and the hard and the rough sex, you know. Mm -hmm. And people, people watch that porn and they think that's how it is. Mm. People started spanking me and smacking me, smacking me on the ass. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I didn't do right. anything wrong. I'll kill you. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. Right. You, know? you don't smack me like a horse. No. Uh -huh. You're going to make uh -huh. love to me. You know? And then has it gotten even worse? Well, yeah. Now it's gotten to where these girls dress themselves up as eight-year-olds. Oh my! And one of one of the most popular and all-time high earner, all of, um, at the Bunny Ranch, is she looked like an eight-year-old. Seriously. Uh, and she was, but she did. I mean, she did amazing marketing too. I gotta, you know, it wasn't just what she looked like, but everyone right. coming in was asking for that. So that's that's so that's disturbing though. I mean, not you know if she, the fact that that I mean, works. I'm glad you, you have to. I, 
celebrate that it's available in an avenue that's safe, mm -hmm. clean, safe sex, and not hurting a child. Although right. there are 85,000 missing ch children right now. Right. I'm going to cry like a baby. Well, and it's concerning because, yeah, sure, that. I know that this is what men want now. Right. And that's kind and of. someone's a, giving it to them. Right. It's and acceptable somewhere. And that's that's scary. I, I have two daughters myself who are 15 and 13 and 15 and 12. Too and, old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just it's it's concerning because, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I don't allow them on the internet. I don't allow them to have social media, any of that stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I do a YouTube channel where I tell them dad jokes and mm -hmm. that's about it. But I have con complete control. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to, you got to have yeah. them. I mean, I ask people with children, I have, I, I have so many friends with kids that I don't have children, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm anti to Christmas is like this. Yeah. yeah, I'm anti to so many children, and um, and I ask, you know, how are we gonna, what are we gonna, what are we doing? How do we, and one one's an Italian dad got his foot down on it, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, mm -hmm. and then another one, you see that they don't have the, you don't have the hold on it, and it's going to go a certain way. It could just yeah. go get a flip of a switch, man. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's all in that entire upbringing. And yeah. you go and get them in church. That's my, that's all I can think of is mm. get them in church. I don't care which one. Yeah. You got to get involved in church, not school things, church things. You got to get the right. get, you got to get spirituality in there. You got to. Well, you mentioned spirituality and I know we talked a little bit off air about you have a, a history with uh, Catholicism and you mentioned your spiritual uh, tell me more about that. Um, I've always, since I left home, have felt that I'm guarded by angels. I mean, battalions of angels. So I've gone through so mm. I, am, mm -hmm. I am guarded and protected and loved by God. Sure. When I was at home, I had a, 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 a fear and loathing God, you know, mm -hmm. a, a very fearful God. And, uh, um, and throughout the years, I mean, my lifestyle has not come without the development of addictions. Sure. Right. And um, the only I'm 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 maintained my sobriety mm -hmm. many 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 years, and it's through a spiritual program. Mm -hmm. You know. You do uh, AANA. A -A I um. I'm not really, I'm, I'm almost a celebrity, so I'm not really supposed to break my anonymity. Mm -hmm. Because what if I were to go off the wagon tomorrow? Sure. People would be like, well, that program doesn't work. Right. You know? right. <laughs> but it well, is a program, and you know, it is a program of, um, I, I take steps that look at myself and look within myself and, and, and better myself. And I'm with mm -hmm. people that are on the same path as me. And I help people. Mm -hmm. and it's, I mean, it's, I love it. I just, yeah. It's my well, it's my well, well, yeah. And there's a higher power developed. Oh, yeah. And all of that. With it's a spiritual this. awakening. And, and it's just, and it's just, it's a living the right life, the, the clean life. 
So how long have you been sober? Uh, seven plus. Okay, great. So well, in this. You're trying for 30 years. So I stack up this many years, this many years, this many years, this many years. But I had a, somewhere along the line, our house doctor mm -hmm. prescribed me volume. Mm. And I've stayed on volume for like 15 years. And I always kept that door just a little bit open. Mm. So that it was easy for me to, you know, succumb to something. Sure. And then I went into a rehab for um, 30 days, completely clean of everything. And cigarette, I came out like almost Mormon. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm almost <laughs> in my own clothes now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and yeah, my life is. So much better. Huh? Oh my goodness. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have planned it to be any better. I couldn't, I couldn't have planned it myself. I what, more rich or, or full or loving. What, what is it about sobriety that you find to be so much better? Uh, I was the, of the type that I was, I would be paranoid. So anything I put in my body, some of I mean, coming up from the truck stops and fear and thing, you know, it just, it just, it just, um, emphasized the fear that I had. Mm -hmm. It was never fun. Yeah. It was never fun. Mm. I just wanted to change my, my, my surrounding. I wanted to change where I was. I wanted to change my situation. I was a symptom mm. of my real disease. Yeah. And that's, that's what I remember. Uh, I have a, yeah. Which was un, unspirituality. Yeah. I have a, a friend who's a therapist who he says uh, addiction is really just an, un, un, an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yeah. And if you fix, what, fix what's underneath, then the addiction kind of fixes itself. Yeah. And uh, have you, you mentioned you've done a lot of therapy to kind of cope with some things. Did that kind of coincide with the, the sobriety or has that been a longer road for you? Um, um, yeah, it does coincide with the sobriety because when I would get clean and sober for this and then I would um, go through therapy, you know, mm. and um, I started really working with the VA, mm. uh, I'd say 10, 15 years ago. Okay. You know, and worked a lot of, and then um, similar programs were good. They tried to be good. Uh, the VA treats me like a million bucks, man, like a million bucks, but their mental health still needs some work. Yeah, it still it still needs some work. I do, I'm an attorney. I do, I do personal injury work and I got veterans and they have to work through the VA and it's a tough road. They're, they're tough. The mental health is because you, you yeah. just really get one on one. Mm. You know, stick me in a group of guys and I'm going to talk about my sexuality. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> not exactly. Not exactly good for you. Right. And I'm on the type like for um therapy, they tell me you're the hardest to treat because you're gonna size up the therapist and tell them, you know, and yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. You know, switching gears back to the work that you do, um you have probably had a longer career than most people have. What what do you think has made you like what? What is it about you that your longevity? You continue to still do it, and why do you still do it? What makes me so resilient is um, I innovate. Okay. I love marketing. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So when we went to message for MySpace, I did MySpace. We went to message boards, I did message boards. We went to uh, photos, monthly photos, monthly photos. I'm still trying to catch up on the social media. I think yeah. I'm still not right there. It's, it's hard because it keeps changing. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard because I get deplatformed. Oh, okay. And it's just because they can say what I do results in the exchange of money. It doesn't mm. matter if it's legal or not. So mm. here's the way I look at it. They come after the legal prostitutes. They come after me the way they come after gun owners. Mm. Well, you can't get all the all the illegal gun owners. So go after the legal ones. You know where they are. They're already registered. Right. Right. You know, you can't go over all the, you can't get all the illegal sex traffickers. So let's lay down a law on the legal one mm. and say, hey, look what we did. We, you know, the, the bureaucrats say, whoa, yeah, we, we did, well, we got that done. We need more yeah. money. So we get more done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah so, let, me, let me ask you before, we'll get into that, but I wanted to ask you too, um, the money. I mean, what do you realistically, like what, what does an average sex worker in the legal brothel make a year? I don't know. Oh, really? Because you're like, I'm not average. <laughs> <laughs> that, that and and I've made it a habit to I don't tell anyone what I make mm -hmm. and I don't believe what anyone says they make because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. as soon as you believe what people are telling you how much they make which is never going to be true then you think you're I, I think I'm not good enough oh mm -hmm. what? I'm not good enough and I got tired of not being good enough about 10 years ago mm. Yeah. yeah, but I never told anyone how much I made. That's just, uh, you know, that's a, a humble thing. My mother taught me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that, that idea of feeling not good enough, where do you think that that, that comes from? I yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, you mentioned also off air, you said that you're a very conservative, like right wing conservative person, which I got to say is surprising because you wouldn't expect that. From well, a legal sex worker. Well, I say live and let live. Uh-huh. You know, but mm -hmm. don't don't shove your transgenderism down my eight-year-old throat. Mm. You know, Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. you are what you are, big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to have you don't have to to act out and be belligerent to get your point across. There's ways to do it. I, are there have you worked around transgender prostitutes as well? Um, I'm about to. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Because the reason I ask is because I, I'm curious what their views would be of you since you're a right wing conservative. Because it seems that you, I think you agree with me on this is that both sides seem to be really polarized and fighting and fighting and fighting. And I just wish if people actually worked together and talked to each other, they don't have to do that. Like I'm a conservative person, but I got friends that are transgender and gay and all sorts of things. We ways. all do. You know, it's right. just it's just the media that makes it makes you think there's a problem. Right. There is right. no problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe I'll get a million transgenders going, Oh, there's a problem, you don't even understand. You know, mm -hmm. but I'm on a transgender's podcast and they love me. Yeah. You know? And I'm not giving my phone number. Call me every day. Oh, you're still doing drugs? Call me every day. I want to, you know, I want to know where you're at. What you're doing? Yeah. You know, but I mean, and, and my my Thanksgiving table is every color of the rainbow. Mm. 
-hmm. you know, and it's been that way for a long time. And you don't have to tell me, you know, these views and, and you don't have to burn down my stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't have to rob all my stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. I get it. Now, well, so this is, like I said, I it's. I think it's an insidious um, Marxism. Oh, yeah. Creating our schools. And this China is just going to rip us out from the inside. <laughs> you know, they've already done it. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find that the men that come to you, and you may not know this, if you're, I don't know if you talk about it or not, but do they tend to be more conservative or liberal or is it everybody? Yeah. And when I um, say something about conservative, because they'll, they'll see my, um, I have like one small little, Trump sticker, <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh -huh. And they'll be like, I like your sticker. Right. And uh -huh. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. You know? Yeah. And if not, you know, the, the when I talk to liberals, they get very uncomfortable. Yeah. Very okay. uncomfortable. They don't want to talk no more. And, you know, I've never seen a conservative do anything to anyone else's property. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. but I had a, a Trump sticker on my car window, and and someone, and, and you know, a very expensive Mercedes Benz. Mm -hmm. hey, be, I mean, you'd have some audacity to touch that car, right? Rip my sticker off in a Target parking lot. Wow! When I was still going to Target. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a do, when you're doing it? Do you have um? Like, how does it work? Do you do like a season? Like, you're like, okay, so I'm going to live at the brothel for a couple of weeks and then move somewhere else. Or how does that work? Like, how do you figure out the timing? Um, while I was working at the Bunny Ranch, which I had just quit like four weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been like 23 years and I just quit four weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. I, was, I lived 10 minutes away and I was on call 24 hours a day. And they had systems in place, like a message board that you had to constantly met. You just on this hamster wheel, mm. a hamster mm. wheel of constantly just just fighting for these guys in four brothels in one place. You know, a hundred girls mm. on the same website. There's there's where where that's at. There's four brothels there. Yeah, and um, one one is closed or burnt down, and but you still have you got these girls, mm -hmm. in, you know, and it's just constant. So now I've gone back to the very first place I've ever worked. The chicken Where's that? The chicken ranch outside of Vegas. The it's chicken a, ranch. Yeah, it's a homecoming. It's going to round out my career. It's where I will retire. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a plan of when you're going to retire? You know, it's kind of like everyone says how much have you had to drink? You always say two beers. When are you going to retire? <laughs> Two years. <laughs> and then something else happens, right? You know? <laughs> right. You know, so, yeah. But I have more time for myself now because I'm squeezing my appointments into one week a month. Mm. So I have one week to recuperate or, you know, and one mm. week to shoot content. And one week I'm hoping to um, create more content. Mm, okay. Now, if, if there's a – would you – Given, I mean, your your experience, um, 
would you recommend this in this industry to other uh, to other women? I'd say no. Yeah, and and why not? Like, what what is the big con to it? You can get addicted to the money and get stuck. Mm. You can get addicted to something someone gave you and get mm. stuck. Mm. You you are better off. I mean, the shame and the guilt and what it does to, I mean, you're going to hide it from your family, trying to hide it from your friends and, and, you know, the stigma attached to it. Unless you've already sacrificed all those, sex has no value unless you're selling it to you, if that's what it is. You know, if, if you need mm. to get away from a pimp, mm. you need to get away from a bad situation, you've already been selling it, by all means, yes. Mm. By mm. all means, yes. Mm. Yes. Choose your brothel wisely. Mm. Choose one that will empower you mm. and allow you to lift yourself up. They'll help you with, um, have some... Find someone that you can um, find me, <laughs> yeah, me or someone like me that can help you buy your first house, get your credit score back, uh, you know, um, repair your credit, do your accounting, mm -hmm. pay your taxes, uh, yeah. yeah, and and build build the. Ooh. We have an amber alert. This is the second time there's an amber alert. <laughs> I'm in Houston. That's okay. Let me, let me, uh, I want to piggyback off of something you just said. It, it sounds like what you're saying essentially is look, if you're, if you're gonna, if you've already been selling sex, the legal brothels are the way to go. Uh, safer, better, people can help you, but you wouldn't recommend sex work to people who haven't already been doing it. Is that correct? Yeah. And you mentioned another thing in there. You said uh, the shame attached and all of those things. Tell me a little bit about that. Do you feel shameful for being involved in it? Or did you at a time? Society does that. Okay. Society glorifies the pimp and vilifies the prostitute. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's that way. And that's yeah, got that's, to change. Yeah. That's that not needs, fair. No, that needs to change. Yeah. Do you think that um, the way that Nevada handles it is uh, a good way of handling legal prostitution? I think women should be their own business, their own business. They should be like a massage therapist. You mm -hmm. know, uh, you should have, or a, a hairdresser. And you mm -hmm. report to a board, mm. you know, you report to a board, your or a health department you, and you, and you have, you're licensed mm -hmm. and you follow your rules of the licensure. You mm -hmm. don't have to be in a specific house to do that. Yeah. You know, it's set up their own house. Right. Or a group of girls was set up a house. We are pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't need a middleman taking 50% of the money. 
I think I think another question that I, I know a lot of people are are probably wondering who are listening to this is that uh, like you've heard like I've heard uh, people women who have been involved in the porn industry talking about how terrible the porn industry is for the women. Do you feel that the the uh, sex work in general, including what you do, is the way it's set up is bad for women? Um. Like I said, it glorifies the pimp and vilifies the prostitute. Now, porn is seeing a change where the girls are branding themselves and they have their own channels on OnlyFans. They've been liberated. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have full full on porn channels, you mm -hmm. know, and in collaborations. So they're they're liberated. Mm. Yeah. You know, we're we're still not liberated. I mean, I see girls. And on Twitter that they travel all over the country and, you know, they mm -hmm. have clients and I don't, you know, I couldn't do that. The friends would be on my back in a second because I'm Air Force Amy, you know. Sure. But the other sure. women do that and it's just, it just can't be safe. It can't be, it, it, it's got to be scary. Yeah. Do you, do you find that um, some of the women that you work with do have, you know, husbands, children and did you find that that works for them it does you know you make it work like i said when i got that that boyfriend and um that i got engaged to i thought that oh i'm never gonna be able to, to have sex with so i'm not gonna be able to, to to work how is this gonna work how is this mm -hmm. gonna mess with my mind i'm not mm -hmm. gonna be able to do it you know, the first client you have and it feels good. You know, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't so bad. That was pretty easy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do does that do you uh but so other that... girls other girls they, they we compartmentalize. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they'll do they'll go so far with the customer and stop there and then the husband gets the rest. Mm. Or they compartmentalize, I mean just I have a set way of doing it. This is, you know, you 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 compartmentalize. Mm. Do uh, so. I guess uh, is, is some of that compartmentalization the difference between sex and intimacy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know, like I thought I was selling the best sex on the planet until I had in love sex, mm. and that was. That was a whole nother level. And and how so that that happened for you later in life. Did that change did that change the way you viewed sex after that? Yeah, now I know how to give that whole nother level. Oh, oh, so now you utilize that in, yeah. in your in your work? Yeah. I see. Okay. So now you have it, now you've taken yeah. it to the next level. Yeah. Do you do you feel like um you know? you mentioned the stigma that comes along with sex work and what is the stigma and how do you think things need to change? The stigma is like I said, um, I get deplatformed 30,000 users and then boom, they just yank you. You hmm. deplatform, you build up that platform. So, um, big tech and, uh, social media, they, they stigmatize me. They hmm. shadow ban me. Mm. They don't 
let me be seen. They mm. put sensitive content over my posts. Mm. And they they drag they they just yeah, they put me in a box, man. Mm. That's what's gonna and you know what it's coming. It's coming for everyone. Yeah. Everyone's gonna get a piece of that. I'm one of <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the first one to feel it because I'm the last frontier that you can mess with. I don't have a terrorist group <laughs> behind yeah. me burning yeah. down buildings and breaking windows and scaring people mm -hmm. and saying, I have rights too. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you know what's interesting about you. I just this just came to my mind. I interview a lot of pro wrestlers, and they're independent contractors as well. And they talk about the life and how difficult it is, and traveling, and having to work with you know promoters, which I'm sure some promoters are probably no different than working with pimps. And and I'm just curious. Sometimes I talk to wrestlers and I ask them. I say, uh, "Do you regret becoming wrestlers?" And some the the, the answers vary. And so for you. Air Force Amy, if you had to do it over again, do you wish that you were not in this in this industry, or do you uh, are you you happy that, of the choice you made? Well, I can't regret my choices. Yeah. You know, doesn't help. Can't yeah. regret, right? Yeah, I can't regret the choices I made. All my choices have led me to another level of understanding of other people that have made those mm -hmm. same choices and maybe need to see a road out mm -hmm. or need some empathy and some understanding or mm -hmm. some advice, you know? Mm -hmm. So I can't say I regret that. I always say if it wasn't me, it had been someone else that couldn't handle it and maybe they couldn't handle it and wouldn't be here today, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I'm kind of thinking I regret staying at the Bunny Ranch a little too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of <laughs> almost half my life. Yeah. Do you, is there is there a reason specific why that you can talk about, or is it just uh, you know being in one place too long? Just kind of you got you got over it. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Just, just too, too. They're, they're, they're a little too long. I'll, I'll wager. I'll say you're welcome, huh? Yeah. No, I did not say my welcome. They didn't um, want to see me go. All right. But okay. I just, um, I outgrew it. Yeah. You know, when you, yeah. when you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to leave the room. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I stayed too, I stayed in the room with too long. Yeah. Well, so it all happens for a reason. I mean, it's, it's God's plan, not my plan. Yeah, it's true. So what do you think is next? I know what's next. What's next? <laughs> um, so I'm at the chicken ranch and right. I have way more wealth of opportunity in Las Vegas than I do in Dayton, Nevada. Mm -hmm. I have many shows approaching me, mm. whereas I wasn't, it was one of the things that, um, I wasn't allowed to do media, so I'm having a lot. I have many projects approaching me, and I couldn't really finish, couldn't pick up writing the memoirs when I was working at the ranch as when we were, I started in, during quarantine. Mm. So I couldn't write while I worked there. Mm. It just didn't mesh. I was too, they kept saying a hamster wheel. You're too busy, 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 busy. 
you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna knock out that memoir, man. Awesome, that's yeah. gonna be a good one. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah. And, and sell it, you know, sell it. Awesome. Yeah. Let me. Uh, I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I, ask the, I am at the Chicken Ranch, and I do have a schedule. And please come see me before. You never, and I just had a whole body tune up down here in, in Houston. And, <laughs> nice, <laughs> fabulous, Excellent. fabulous, darling. <laughs> well, well, let me let me ask you. Uh, I ask everybody three questions. I'm going to ask you these questions. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. first one: What is do you think is your biggest success in life? Overcoming fear. Mm. What do you mean by that? Um, but I don't know. I'm conquering fear. Mm -hmm. um, believing in myself. Mm. You know, my biggest success hasn't been anything material or anything mm. I did. It's um, more of a inward a fix of my something a, a, a character fit character defect fix of me mm -hmm. yeah. something mm -hmm. i fixed within myself yeah. uh what is your biggest failure and what have you learned from it mm. addictions yeah yeah but what did you learn from from overcoming that that um Trust in a higher power. And if you for there's some people, here's my thing around addictions too. There's some artists out there that will play the game of sobriety. I found the I found the Lord and yeah, and really um, pushing this pedestal and this mm -hmm. narrative of sobriety. Well, they're just, they've got a joint hanging out of their mouth 24-7, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're selling the wrong message to a lot of people. There are a lot right. of people that can't take one of anything that affects them from the neck up. Mm -hmm. So you're telling a lot of people that it's okay to not do meth, but still drink and do marijuana. Mm -hmm. That don't, doesn't jive with me, man. You're telling, you, you're putting out bad information. You're going to mm -hmm. keep a lot of people out there in a bad space for a long time because you're giving them wrong information. Mm. So you, for you, sobriety is from everything. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. And for most people that have any addiction, it has to be. One, right. I mean, if you got that, you got the addiction bug, you got the addiction bug. Yeah, and you it's rampant. You got to become addicted to something healthy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I have a lot of uh, addicts in my family, and I know how hard it is. So I just want to say um, uh, um, congratulations for being able to stay sober because that is not easy. And no, and uh, you you know the fact that you've been able to do it is really um, is really great. You know, um, last question I have for everybody is: is at some point we hope it's far far down the road, but at some point you you're going to pass away, and there's going to be a funeral, and someone's going to give you eulogy. What's the one thing you hope somebody says about you in your eulogy? She helped so many people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I'm a helper. Well, well, you know, I can I can tell that you um, you put great pride in being a leader and helping people, whether it be your fellow sex worker or whether it be the Johns that come and see you. Uh, I can tell you have great leadership leadership qualities, and you know, I could I was sitting here and as I was asking you the question, I'm like, what's next for you? I could just imagine you at some point becoming a therapist for other sex workers who are trying to get out of it. <laughs> you, you know, know I'm really super good friends. My best friend for 20 years now is um, Annie Lobert in mm. Las Vegas with Hookers for Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Hookers for Jesus. Yeah, isn't it? I have a catchy name, Air Force Amy, and she has a catchy name, Hookers for Jesus. And um, she's so passionate. She's so passionate of helping these girls. She just, I mean, she puts her bloody, I mean, blood, sweat, tears, and not a lot of tears into the, the home that she has for these girls and the love that she has for these girls that she helps transition out. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe if she's your friend, maybe when you're done, you can uh, you can help her. So yeah, yeah we so. help each other. We we help each other. That's awesome. Yeah. And well, you, know, Amy, you can't just like take a girl off the street and expect yeah. that she's just gonna get you know she's yeah. just gonna lose the bug. Right. You know. Right. So it, is it well that that's interesting? You bring that you call it a bug. So is it like an addiction? Is it? It's is, an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the money that the addiction or the attention? There's so much that's an addiction. It's the yeah, the, the power and control, the the money, what it buys you, the instant gratification, the the uh thrill of the kill, sales, mm. marketing, mm. you know. Yeah. And yeah. you try to you try to say that uh it's okay because I'm still helping someone. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Amy, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on, giving me the time. Uh, I'm glad we we're able to set this up. It's been very fascinating. Uh, are, are you on social media now? And if you are, where can they find I you? I am. Everything is Air Force Amy. Okay, great. Yeah. There's some people that steal my name. You'll be able to tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but I'm right. Air Force Amy on Twitter. I don't post that much on Instagram because they just, they've got me, you know, gun shy, man. And yeah, but it's Air Force, Air Force Amy XO. I have a TikTok, it's Air Force Amy XO. And actually just go to my website, airforceamy.com. I'm still mm. updating it to Chicken Ranch where a lot of stuff's still on it, Bunny Ranch. But mm. I, I, had awesome. been, I had planned this plastic surgery, uh, this surgery, before I even quit the bunny ranch. Oh, and nice. So I didn't have time to rebrand. I was just like, ah, rug got pulled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recuperating. Well, yeah. Well, 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 awesome. Well, for those of you who listened, uh, you know, obviously follow uh, Amy and subscribe. We have a lot more content coming up. And uh, Amy, thanks for coming on. And you know talking. what? You know, I'm only at the chicken ranch like one week a month. And um, there are, the women are so beautiful. They are so <laughs> beautiful. I go to Chicken Ranch brothel, Chicken Ranch brothel, and just look at these women. They're gorgeous. Really, and uh -huh. really nice. Really nice. Real nice ladies. I know a lot of them. A lot of, them, a lot of our girls, our best girls, migrated south recently. Uh -huh. Everyone, a lot of girls made that jump. So, I mean, that, 
the best of the best are there. And it's nice. just, oh man, it's really well, the best of the best. Well, well, that's a, uh, yeah, that's, it's just, it's so shocking. It's, it's, it's not shocking. It's just, it's crazy to me that you've been able to be in this industry for so long and still like your, your longevity and the fact that you, I'm sure you got a following that's following you. Yeah. I'm popular. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I thought maybe someone was stepping on my emails because I was sending so, so many emails out and they, and the people would ghost me. And I thought, this is strange. Why am I being ghosted so much? It's something that just doesn't jive for a long time. And now my emails are just like everybody has conversations with me. I'm not getting ghosted. Nice. It's nice. Well, well, uh, much success. And uh, and like I said, everybody who's listening, uh, more stuff coming up. And we will uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you.